HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported, nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org donate to become a member now. Claire Farms, which is owned and operated by Larry and Clara Hedrick and four out of their five children, is an award-winning cheese producer based in Wisconsin. Welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. On today's show, we have co-founder of LeClaire Farms (laughs) and the law part of LeClaire, Larry Hedrick, on the line. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Awesome, dude. Happy to have you. Uh, we wanted to have you on the show for a while now. I'm a big fan of your cheese, and uh, thanks again for making the time to come on. I'm sure you're busy. I wanted to start by asking you how you got into the dairy biz. Uh, it's something that we were attempting to do since uh, Claire and I got married way back in the, the end of the 70s. Uh-huh. Uh, but reality was that we just didn't feel that the goat market was there for us to succeed until uh, we got into about 1994 and felt that things had started to grow and for the goat business. And so we started producing milk and then started making our cheese um, first in 2008. Cool. You sorted it out. You also co-founded the Quality Dairy Goat Pro- Producers Co-op, uh, which standard, set the standard for quality goat milk in the U.S. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that, too? 
Yes, back in 2005, uh, there was about a half a dozen producers that we had a cheese plant that wanted some high-quality milk so they could make great cheese, and they just weren't able to source it. And we said, well, we know how to produce it. We do need somebody that uh, will guarantee us a market for it. And so that's how we founded the Quality Dairy Go Co-op. Um, we've gone from our original, where we start out with six farms, we now have 11. That's great. And LeClaire buys about half of the milk that the co-op, even a little more than half right now, that the co-op produces. That's cool. Why goats in Wisconsin, where we find so many cow's milk products? What about goats did it for you? Uh, it's just the thing of not choosing to follow the normal path. Oh, yeah? Uh, goats are something very intriguing to us. Uh, they are always inquisitive, and what I always say, it's like being in a barn full of middle schoolers. So they're always up to something, and that does make it uh, very interesting for sure. us as the producers. <laughs> you like them? Um, I mean, it's an interesting. You said you started out with six farms, and you ended up with 11? Is that what? Is yes, that? At, this, at this point, we have 11 farms in the co-op. Yep. When was that that you, that you founded that co-op again? Uh, 2005 is when we started. So we've, we've got a bit of history behind us. And essentially, at the time we founded it, there were no quality standards set for uh, goat milk. Um, we created a set of standards. Um, and to this day now, all of the... The cheese plants in Wisconsin have uh, adopted similar standards, so we're pretty proud of that. Um, we have produced milk that has achieved uh, two best-in-show awards oh, that's at some awesome. of the, the, the big cheese uh, events. So we're, we feel it's worked for us. When you said that there was no standard, in what way? Was there no standard in how the animals were cared for or just the, the quality of feed that they gave them and how did they... Um, rotated them in terms of their lactation cycles and things like that, or you know, I mean, there was it all of those things. Uh, back in the nineties, there really weren't any any standards that were created for any of that. Uh, the goat in industry is very much in its infancy, um, and then uh, there there are now standards created, and we didn't create them for animal care, uh, but we as farms very much are at the top level of what the current animal care standards look for. Sure. But what we, what we created is what is a standard to produce high-quality milk because it doesn't matter. You can have a great cheesemaker, but if you don't give them good milk to start with, they really are starting with their hands tied behind their back. Absolutely. And we we knew that, and we decided that, uh, by producing some great milk, it would yield some great cheese, and we've been proven correct. Yeah, but how did you do that, is what I'm saying. Like, what standards did you... So you've grown the amount of farms, six farms up to 11, and you increased the standards. What, um, what exactly did you get people behind to bring up the quality to get these cheesemakers to have better milk, I guess is my question. Like, what did... Uh, really, the big thing is feeding the goats a a really good, consistent diet. Um, you know, everybody wants to think goats eat tin cans and garbage. 
And if you're trying to uh, produce milk out of a goat, you've got to feed them high-quality feed, and that's one thing that we do. Uh, then also producing the milk, so they're milked in a very clean environment, so you end up with, as you're harvesting the milk, you have very clean milk. Then you get it cooled down immediately. Uh, you can't let it sit around in a bucket milker for 45 minutes or whatever it might be before you even get it into the tank. And so getting it cold and holding it before 40, below 40 degrees is very important uh, to get that milk started out right. Totally. And we look at the proper levels of butter fat and protein in the milk. Um, you know, that you, you've got to have that. And so that's, and then also what is called the somatic cell count in goats, um, that you've got to keep that at a reasonable level also. So all of those we have uh, standards in the co-op, and that has helped to, to produce that good milk because the farmers know then what is an acceptable level. Previously, it was just produce milk and just make and cheese, cheese out of it. Buy it. Sure, sure. Uh, that's fantastic. So you taught them how to feed their animals and how to take the milk that they got from that better feed um, and properly use it to make cheese specifically in terms of how yeah. Yeah, how long it sits in the bucket uh, before it starts to acidify and, uh, and change on you after you pulled it out. Um, and uh, of the animal <laughs> and uh, that's really interesting stuff and like you said you, so you've almost doubled your amount of uh, of producers in the state right or that are part of your co-op that's great yeah and and also using fresh milk i mean you can't take milk that's five six days old and expect to make great cheese out of it sure um we we feel and because our group has become big enough um our milk is picked up as much as daily on some of the farms to, to get it in here to the plant. Uh, so the plant has an appropriate amount of milk to work with, and we've got that fresh milk to work with. So that that's really another part that's very important. Years ago, uh, there was very small amounts of milk produced on each farm, and it wasn't an economically feasible to pick it up like we do today. Sure. That's awesome. I mean, you know, those are all spectacular things to do, and uh, and I think it's awesome that you've done them. And um, you helped people adapt in a positive way into their environment to continue to produce good milk and to grow their um, to grow your co-op and uh, get better cheese out there. Uh, how have you had to adapt while you've been growing your business so as to maintain all of the standards of quality that you have? We have very much changed our feeding program over time. Um, it, it's just constantly learning and understanding what that goat needs. Essentially, we live to, to give the goats what they want. It seems that that works a lot better than trying to, to force them into doing what we want them to do. Sure. Um, and that's <laughs> a big part of it. And we've learned so many things over the, over the years. Uh, you're, you know, the cows, there's lots and lots of research been done at that by all the universities. There's very, very little that's been done for uh, research on the goats. And so what we're doing is basically trying to work with some of our, our local, uh, like the university and the technical school, and 
collecting data amongst our, our different farms and then sorting that out in order to create a database that works for us. That's awesome. I was going to say, uh, my question wouldn't be like, why, like, <laughs> why, why has it? Oh man, I I, I just, just got to think about that for one second. And um, you told me why you chose to work with goats, right? And uh, you wanted to go down a different path um, from the normal um, dairying methods in Wisconsin, which are mostly cow. Uh, as you got into it and you figured out how to deal with these animals and what they like to be fed and how to take care of them properly, uh, you were able to take that information, turn it over, create a co-op board, and then bring the standards up for everything, which is incredible. Why, why, I guess my question is like, why is there no research done on, on goats that's available in the country? And um, what's the biggest reason that you've been able to grow those, those number of people producing goat's milk? Is it because of the work you've done with them? Is there an easier nature to tending goats than there are cattle? I think a, a big part of it is we're blessed here in Wisconsin because we have the infrastructure from the cow dairy industry. So the feed mill doesn't care if they're delivering feed to a goat farm or a cow farm. Sure. Uh, but they do care if they get paid. And <laughs> yeah, that's they do. Part of it also. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We have to create economy of scale large enough so we can survive. And so we have, and that's what has made the Wisconsin dairy goat industry the the largest uh, statewide industry in the United States, is we have several cheese plants here in Wisconsin. We have the infrastructure to support the farms. And then we've got the mindset of dairy. I, I get so many people that talk to me and they're thinking it's like a regular job. You work your 40 hours and you're done. Uh, when you're doing dairy, you work seven days a week. Yeah, and no. 40 hours is probably over with in the first few of those days. <laughs> sure. No, that's a, economies of scale are a, are a huge thing and something that I've discussed over the years with producers as I'm a cheesemonger and I purchase cheese. Um, it's hard to it's hard to survive, I've heard, um, on sheep dairies, uh, especially because the output is so little, you know? Like you're living in uh, a place where you can't get totally enough milk to create that amount of, uh, of business for yourself. And I imagine with goats initially in your state, you ran into the same problem, you know? And we that- did, and how we survived is, I mean, my wife, and I both were working out when we began um, producing the goat milk. And then back in 2001, I quit my um, construction job and was full-time uh, working with the goats on the farm. And then Clara has just uh, retired from her teaching job here, and she's in her second year of being now also full-time on the farm. And we've grown our business exponentially compared to when we first started. And, again, like you say, it's the economy of scale. Uh, the reality is if you don't have the income, you just don't survive. You don't. I know. And that's what you see. And either that or you have to buy uh, milk from other places, right? I mean, which you don't want to do. Uh, you want to know where your milk comes from. Or you got to buy cow's milk if you don't have enough goat's milk because you got to turn something into money. And that makes a lot of sense to me. That's fantastic to know that you are growing um, 
in a time where some people aren't in this world. So I'm happy about that and happy to hear it. What's it like working with your family, and how has that affected the direction of your business? It, it's been great um, in that I, all of our children, we have five children, and four of them chose to come back to us. Um, they all had to leave and go get whatever education that they wanted to, but they had to go. Um, we didn't want them to stay as part of the business to begin with. And then they also were told you, you need to get experience um, working someplace else. And if you choose to come back after a few years, a minimum of a couple of years working for somebody else, then we'll see how we can, um, you know, adapt the business where, where you'll fit into it. And as we kept growing the business, because we have the farm, we have the cheese plant, and we have the retail and cafe, uh, each of our children that, that decided to come back to it are very interested in different areas. Sure. Um, my son is our plant manager. Katie chose to become a cheesemaker. Right. Um, another daughter, Jessica, um, she brought her experience back to the retail cafe. And then my other daughter, Anna, she had been in the cow industry for quite a few years and chose to come back and run our dairy side of the business. So each of them are very experienced in the area they manage and very much passionate about making it successful because each area has to stand on its own as far as uh, the cash flow and trying to trying to make all that come together, which is a real challenge. And you have them all working on their own projects, so they're all separated enough <laughs> so that they don't... They, yes. they, they yep. don't. <laughs> and, and like you were talking earlier, um, we did begin making a mixed milk cheese, what we call Shandoka, yep. uh, because we didn't have enough goat milk. And then we've taken that in more than one direction because we have our cave-age Shandoka that we're actually doing right here on the farm now where we're, we're literally growing uh, the rind on the cheese to give it that unique flavor. Uh, we were partnered up with somebody from out of the area for a while, and now we do it all in-house again. Yeah, Matt, man. That's, that's amazing. I want to talk to you about Chandoka, uh, but first we're going to take a little bit of a break. And um, when we come back, we'll talk more about cheese and the LeClaire Farm. Hang out with us. Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. 
The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Hi, I'm Mary Isaac. And I'm Rachel Jacobs. And we're hosts of Ferment Ferment About It. It, A weekly journey of all things fermented on Heritage Radio Network. Tune in on Mondays at 7 p.m. to hear about all things fermented, from sauerkraut to sourdough and all things between. Support our show and all of Heritage Radio Network's programming. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd and the Heritage Radio Network. I'm chatting with Larry of LeClaire Farms. I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about your cheeses in this part of the show. You guys have won many awards for your cheeses. What do you think has been the main source of your success there? I think the detail, um, just paying attention to all the small details is really what has worked the best for us. Um, like I said, we've got our, our Shandoka, which is a mixed milk cheese. But really, our signature cheese has been Avalon. Right. That is a farmstead cheese. Uh, we only use the milk from the goats on our farm to produce that. We age it. Uh, we Well, we make it. We age it. We do everything here on our own facility. Um, and that's, that's really been great for us. Uh, we actually started out making it another plant because we didn't have our own facility at the time. Um, and then as we... We chose to build a plant and were able to find financing to do it. Uh, that allowed us to move forward to become truly a farmstead cheese with that. Um, when, you're, when was that, and what inspired the cheese? What inspired that particular cheese? And when were you outsourcing it? Because I was buying in 2010, and when, when were you making it then? We, we started out uh, making at uh, a little creamery over here about uh, 45 minutes away from us called Saxon Creamery. Yeah, that's what uh, it is. They I'm sorry. They were the only yep. ones that had a 5,000-pound vat. Yes. And when they put that vat in, we actually made cheese, our goat cheese, um, at the, the very first uh, time where they were making their cow cheese. We also were making the goat cheese. And so it was, it was very exciting to do that. Uh, then... That allowed us to to get going without having our plant. Then we moved from there. Uh, we made cheese and several other plants uh, because we were limited there as the amount of vat time we could get. And so we just continued to grow. At one time, we were hauling milk to four different places to make cheese. Uh, we were kind of nomads where we'd show up in the middle of the night when, when they didn't need their vat. We'd Katie'd be making cheese, I'd be hauling milk in, and we'd go away by the time they showed up in the morning. It was it was very interesting. That's so And great. it was through all these other cheese plants helping us uh, by granting us some time to use their vat that allowed us to grow. What what style of cheese inspired the Evalon? Uh, Evalon is an aged Gouda style, and basically when we we wanted to add value to our goat milk. We, we uh-huh. just felt that by continuously shipping all the milk that we were producing to somebody else, it wasn't going to attain what we wanted to do. And so we looked at the marketplace. We talked to a lot of cheesemongers. And at the time, there just wasn't any domestic um, aged goat milk there's still not a lot. that was being made. There's still not a lot. And there's, there's, there's just not. 
you know? There, there isn't, and it's all about economics. I know. You have to be maybe half crazy, maybe a little bit more. You take your milk, you feed the goats, you harvest the milk, you put it into cheese, and then sit around and wait five months until it ages out properly. <laughs> then you have to send it off that somebody's going to buy it from you, and then you got to get paid. So about six months or so after you invested the money for the feed in those goats, you actually get some money back. Yep, It's that. a very challenging way to do it, uh, but we were blessed, and we started out doing a small amount, and we've continually growing, and we, we've got the opportunity to, to make a lot more of it now that we actually have our own facility, um, which we, we began building in 2012. And was it raw and is now pasteurized? Is that the case? Uh, no, we are we are staying with raw. We Good. did try pasteurized for a while. And yeah, we are strictly Great. doing it as a raw milk cheese. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's one of the best hard goat cheeses. We loved it at Italy. We still do. It's one of our staples there. Um, yeah, it's just good stuff. So thanks for making it. Uh, we appreciate it, and we try to pay you for that because we'd like for you to be able to survive and make more cheese. That would be good. We would really, really enjoy that. <laughs> You've also been working on the standard market on their Cave Age Chandoka. Um, are you still, and can you tell us a little bit about that collaboration? You touched on it in the earlier part of the show uh, when you mentioned that you had to do what a lot of cheesemakers have to do that deal with goats and sheep, which is bring in cow's milk. Um, you know, to sort of subsidize um, their operation. So talk to me about that. Yeah, originally um, what we had done is we did not have enough goat milk. That has changed that now we do have access to enough milk that we can sustain whatever uh, cheeses that our customers want us to make. We can do that. I want to make that clear now. Um, But when we began, we had to use, in order to, um, get enough use on the facility, we needed to bring in cow's milk. So we actually started, we have two um, very close by cow farms that we go over and get the milk from so we know absolutely where it came from uh, because we pick it up and bring it back. And then we blend the cow milk and the goat milk together and we make the uh, KV, well, we make the Shandoka coming out of the vat, then we choose whether it's going to go to Cave Age which means it's put into a wheel, or it's going to go into our standard aging. How do you make that choice? Into a block. How do you make that choice? Uh, basically, it's based on customer demand is what our market will bear. Sure. Um, the cave age, we, we take that out 10 months. We began originally working with Standard Market in Chicago, and they, uh, David Rogers chose to, uh, to begin an aging program there with Standard Market. And that they had some challenge with their facility uh, where they were aging the cheese. And so this spring, David came to work with us, and we now do the cave aging right here at the farm. And so it's become an all-Leclerc all project, and it's brought us an affineur, uh to work with aging all of our cheeses. So it was a very exciting development for us as we progressed from uh, working with a partner on it to now bringing it back in-house to continue the cheese. And we can make a lot more of it because we don't have to ship the raw cheese, not, um, I shouldn't say raw, the new cheese out uh, for aging as we just take it into another uh, facility that we have here. 
That's awesome. That's good stuff. My guys in Chicago like that. My guys at the Eatly Chicago like that cheese, as do I. Uh, one more question for you. What's your favorite product that LeClaire produces? Uh, it's still the Avalon. I mean, when we get that cheese to age out properly the way we want, and we built some aging rooms here on site to do that, um, I don't think you can beat it. And it's been best in show at U.S. Cheese Championships. Um, it's been the highest-ranking goat cheese in some of the world competition. Um, so, you know, every year you, you vary between the U.S. and the world competition, and we were the highest-ranked goat cheese with uh, with that world competition. So that was great. Um, at American Cheese Society, it's been the class winner numerous times. So it, it is a cheese that is very much appreciated by a lot of people, and I love it. It's just great for me, and it. It's something that ties to everything we do here from our goats here on the farm that produce the milk to our cheese plant to our aging to everything. It's just all right here. That's fantastic. I don't think um, I could go anywhere from there. That's a great reason, and your cheese is fantastic to eat. I love it. <laughs> I buy it, and I love it. Uh, well, so I want to say thanks, Larry, for coming on with us today. Uh, it's been fantastic. It was a, a, a second for us to be able to get you on the show, um, and I'm sorry about that, but we're really happy to have talked um, to you. And um, for anybody that's out there that doesn't know Evalon or Chandoka or LeClaire Farms, uh, you better get to know it because it's good. And um, for everybody else and everybody else that listens to this podcast, please stay tuned for more Cutting the Curd next week. Take care. Ciao. Thank you very much, and please check our website if you'd like more information or get a hold of us or stop and visit. We have tours that um, are here on the farm all the time. Thank you very much, and we do appreciate you guys buying our cheese. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.